Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. Ryan Ray here alongside a couple folks today, one of them being David Blackman, and uh, Sergio Chapa will join us in just a minute. If you can hear uh, the noise in the background, it's because we are in Conroe, Texas at the OHH event. OHH stands for the Oil Field Helping Hands, and there's a pistol shoot down here. And man, if you did not sign up for this thing, you are missing out. There is about 150 people inside of this place, and it is uh, <laughs> it's popping with all kinds of folks. But more on that in a minute. Let's first take our sponsor which for the month of January is R&D Pipe Company. You can get in t- contact with R&D Pipe by OCTG.net, or you can call them at 281-355-6795. If you missed my interview with Ron Underwood, their president and CEO from the beginning of January, be sure to go and check it out. But without further ado, my good friend, I hope I can call you a friend, David, after this last week. My good friend, David Blackman, is on. David, how's it going? Oh, absolutely, man. I, I guess the, the pistol shootout's not happening in the arena where you are, huh? <laughs> no, they've got it across the way over there. I haven't gone back there. I heard they were shooting bullet, bowling pins and all kinds oh. of stuff, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been back there yet, but uh, there, I'll tell you what, it's a packed crowd. I've seen folks on the vendor side, the client side, so it looks like a well, well-rounded well event from that standpoint. But, um, David, I know we got a lot to get to, so I want to get to the first thing, which is Last last week, it feels like it's been longer than a week, but I think last week we had on Weston Martinez, and I, I saw you, and, and I did say this publicly, I've said this privately and publicly, but on the show I hadn't said it, you produced something for Shell Mag, um, the d- daily uh, dozen things in oil and gas you need to read or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but you, you put it out every day. Yeah, what you need to know in oil and gas yes. today at shellmag. Yes, it's great. It's, there's a dozen things. It's a good curation of the news, and it gives you just a snippet of what you think. Um, you kind of, you know, you're kind of one to two sentence comment, and then it goes on to the link. And I saw your link talking about Weston's talks about reduction of fees for the railroad commission, and I thought, okay, well, you know, there's, you know, I'm I'm very open to discussion, but there's one person's opinion in the oil and gas business I respect. It's yours, so I know that you're against what Weston's saying here. Um, I'm just curious, why are you against it? Because um, I know you're, me and you, on taxes and fees and stuff like that. We have a lot of similar beliefs, but uh, why are you in favor of this one? What, what am I missing here? Well, and and it's nothing personal with Weston. You know, uh, he's a good guy, and 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 it's certainly nothing personal with him. But but look, I mean, those those fees fund the railroad commission. Uh, the the Texas Railroad Commission is is mostly funded out of fees on the oil and gas industry, and. And during the 2011, 2013, and 2015 sessions of the Texas legislature, the oil and gas industry's lobby in Austin fought very hard to implement additional fees on itself, okay, on our industry to beef up the staff and the computer systems and other aspects of funding for the Texas Railroad Commission to make it a modern agency. Uh, this was an agency uh, prior to just two years ago that hadn't had a computer up system upgrade in 20 years. It was operating on systems from the 1990s. Uh, it was woefully short of, of field inspectors, woefully short. Uh, automobiles, uh, the trucks they were using were outdated and hundreds of thousands of miles on them. And, and, and the industry, believe it or not, I know... Some people believe the industry wants to be completely unregulated, but that's not really correct. The industry wants to be properly regulated, and the regulator in this state is the, is the Railroad Commission. So I guess my question is uh, if 
you know, if, if, uh, if he wants to reduce these fees, what's the proposal to replace them? Are we going to rely on the, on the House of Representatives and the Senate to properly fund the legislature or uh, the Royal Commission from the general fund? I, I think it seems awful risky to me, and I don't think the industry itself really would support that. Okay, so let me just kind of make sure I've understood this. The argument from what you're saying is is that you're not pro-fee, you're not pro-tax. It's just that you kind of have a couple options here. Either A, the industry pays for self-regulation for the most part, or B, we have to rely on taxpayers, and you're preferring that the businesses pay for self-regulation. Is that a good synopsis of kind of what you're laying out there? Yeah, I mean, and that's just the, the way the system works in Texas. And, uh, you know, even with the increased fees that the that – the, Again, the the industry itself fought hard for and and had a lot of opposition in the legislature to get them done. Uh, But even with the fees at their current level, the the level of fees on the industry in Texas pales in comparison to states like Colorado and California and New Mexico, Wyoming. I mean, just go down the list. So it's not like we have heavy fees in this state compared to other states to begin with. Uh, So I just... I. Look, I mean, it's a political campaign, um, and and people are going to throw ideas out. But when I saw that, I just thought, well, that just doesn't make any sense, and it's not something that I think the oil and gas industry should be supporting. No, and I guess I guess from my standpoint, um, so first off, you're not. It's going to be hard to get me to argue against fees. Now, if you're going to say that the fees are for self-regulation over, you know, taking from the taxpayers, well, that's a different discussion. Um, I, I guess the I guess it would ultimately have to be uh, settled on. You know, how much waste is there in the Railroad Commission? You know, could we lower the fees? But I, I do hear what your point your point is, and I'm glad we discussed it because that's a that's a good perspective to think about because um, sometimes, you know, hey, I'm a little knee-jerk when you say taxes and fees, David. You know, just, no, I, well, <laughs> me too, and, and I'm not a high-tax guy. But, but let me give you an example. I, I'm pretty sure that a fee for a drilling permit in Texas is either $100 or $120, something like that. A fee for a drilling permit uh, – for example, on federal lands with the Bureau of Land Management is $8,000. Right. And well over $1,000 in states like Colorado and California. So, I mean, why are we worried about a fee that's already incredibly low compared to other jurisdictions? Why are we worried about reducing those? It just, particularly when the whole point of the fee is to fund the the commission that regulates the industry. I I just... it's kind of like the highway fund, right? Right. I, I, if you remember, I wrote yep. a piece back in September, and I took a lot of flack over it for, you know, saying, "Look, man, we haven't raised the the, the gasoline tax since 1992 in this country. It's been 26 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, shouldn't we be raising that tax to account for inflation, if nothing else, it, just so that we can actually have repaired roads and maintain roads properly? Uh, to me, it's like that." Right. I remember we discussed that on uh, Energy Week. And, and, you know, one of the things that um, kind of my general, hey, we're talking about raising taxes. Let's talk about this. But I think that what we came to on that episode was is that it's really a user tax. You know, it is only for people who are going to be driving on the roads or using a bus, you know, that's, you know, paying for the gas. So um, a ta- well, it's, it's kind of a user fee for, for the industry, too, right. with the Railroad Commission. Right. Because, I mean, Railroad Commission in the state of Texas processes a, a drilling permit in less than 30 days, sometimes in a day or two. Right. right. So you're, you're paying those fees to have a, a commission that's very responsive. 
Right. Uh, if you cut back on the fees and you don't replace them, the commission's going to become less responsive. Okay. Well, you didn't get on me too bad about that, so I'm happy. Um, <laughs> my second question, and I don't want to spend all the time I have with you on the Railroad Commission, but my second question is this change the name of the Railroad Commission. To me, this, you oh, know, I, I, I don't really understand. A, it's going to cost, I think, a lot of money just because government seems to waste money when they have it like this. But B, I don't think it helps anything. I don't think it improves anything. I, I just think, no. am I missing anything here? It's a horrible idea. It costs you millions of dollars. I, I you know, I know that uh, the Legislative Budget Board put a $600,000 price tag on it in the last session, but that's just nonsense. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of railroad signs on every well, every processing plant, every oil and gas related location in the state of Texas, and there are well over half a million of them, have a sign that says Texas Railroad Commission permit number so-and-so for this facility. So if you change the name of the Texas Railroad Commission, every one of those signs is going to have to be replaced. And they're big signs and they're expensive signs. And the Legislative Budget Board thinks you do that for nothing. No, that costs you millions of dollars just doing that. Well, yeah, let, let's break that down, David, because that's a great point. So to change that sign, you got to buy a sign, okay? Then you've got to pay yeah. someone. you got to have a truck to get that sign out there. So you either got to buy or rent a truck. you got to pay for the gas and the maintenance on that truck. And you got to pay someone to drive out there and drive back. I'm sure there's some other expenditures exactly. I'm forgetting, too. But so, you know, and that was my point to Weston was – it's not as simple as saying, hey, we're just going to change the name. We're going to change a few forms. This is man hours. This is time. This is – and then what happens, you know, anytime a government does it like this, there's going to be a leeway period where everyone gets up to a new system, and then someone who, you know, didn't file the right form three years from now will get penalized because they use the old form and the new form. And so it, to me, I, I, it, I understand what he's saying about, hey, we want to push back on these leftists who – want to regulate our industry they want to keep them suing us but my point to him is is I man i've talked to some of these people and they just don't understand and this is one of my talking points right now david when we talk about oil and gas we have to talk about it in the fact that everything I, i'm at this pistol shoot everything that i see right now has touched oil and gas at the bare minimum a truck that uses diesel brought it to this location or gasoline everything sure and, and, and everything that it's made of a truck took so just from trucking standpoint oil and gas touches everything of course you talk about the tires and the parts of the truck and all they're made of we have so oil and gas is you know people don't realize the scale and the impact that it has on our lives. It's not just about on our whole economy. Right. Yeah, Texas. yeah. It's, it's not just hit. let me let me make two quick points on on this name change thing do. because it's just such a horrible idea. And everybody that runs for the railroad commission picks up on that issue because it's an easy one to pick up on. But here's the thing, okay. First of all, if you're doing anything to try to satisfy the, the radical left-wing protesters who protest our industry in this state, you're wasting your time. You can't satisfy them. They cannot be satisfied. Uh, if, if you think that changing the name of the commission is going to somehow placate those people, they're just going to latch on to some other issue. Uh, it's not going to change a thing, okay? And the second thing is the Texas Railroad Commission is the most well-known regulator of oil and gas uh, agency in the entire world on the face of the earth. Right. When other countries suddenly start having a, a new oil and gas development in their country, they don't go to the United States federal government to learn how to regulate the oil and gas industry. They invariably go to the Texas Railroad Commission. It's known all over the world, all over the face of the earth. And just because a few radical left-wing stupid protesters don't know what it is, that, that's no reason to, it, it's a Texas icon. Right. And why, why are we worried about changing anything 
because the, the idiots at Earthworks want us to change it. You know, it doesn't make any sense at all. So we, we just have to get people who want to sit on the Railroad Commission and are new to the process to stop latching on to that issue. It's an incredible waste of money and just an incredible waste of everyone's time. No, and I, I think, and I know I've told you this before, probably off the line, but you know, I think the biggest thing that we need to do as oil and gas professionals is first off, you know, talk about on the ground. People like me and you, David, we're not we're not Shell, we're not Exxon, we're just normal folks. You know, we have normal lives and build there, there's a lot of people on the opposite side of this debate that, that would have would like to talk to us and make some common ground. But the friends group, the Bill McKibbins of the world, it doesn't matter what you say to that guy. He's going to he's going to sue you every day he can. That's just his whole deal. Al Gore, you know, those types. Yeah. They don't care. So trying to reach those guys, I'm not worried about. There's a lot of common ground we can meet, but changing the name is not, in my opinion, the way to do it. But I don't want to bore the listeners with all the politics. I do want to get your opinion. <laughs> I do want to get your opinion on the 2018 Texas oil and gas market. We've said on the show that we're really optimistic about the first half this year. The second half of the year, we're going to have to see how OPEC responds. I know there's OPEC's kind of gone back and forth on how serious these cuts will be for 2018. But I think the first half of this year is setting up very nicely. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's setting up very nicely. I think the price is going to continue to – I mean, I think the level we're at right now, it uh, it could either stabilize at this level or even continue to go up somewhat in the first half of the year. But it's like you say, uh, OPEC is meeting with Russia at the end of April, and uh, they're going to uh, reevaluate their export limitation agreement and see if they want to adjust it or abandon it. I, I really can't believe they would abandon it, but they may adjust their quotas somewhat because the, the market is balanced right now. I mean, that's why the price keeps inching right. up. And um, we may even have uh, a little bit uh, excess demand right now in the system, in fact. And so, you know, it'll just, uh, the second half of the year is going to depend entirely on what OPEC and Russia decide to do when they meet in April. Yeah. Now, one of the things I heard at the OPEC meeting two weeks ago, or my dates are getting run out, maybe it was last week, but anyways, um, is that they're saying that U.S. shale oil cannot keep up with global demand. And and so I hear that, and there's a lot of implications on what that can mean. But that's, in my opinion, that's actually a really good thing because um, you got in Venezuela now, so from a pure oil and gas standpoint, not the, not the travesty that's happening to the people down there, but just from an oil and gas standpoint, their market is, you know, they're in trouble oil and gas wise. Um, you know, and so you can, you know, OPEC could ramp up, but how much can they ramp up? That's a discussion. But if the demand is growing at such a pace where U.S. shell producers cannot keep up, that's good for U.S. shell producers because they're not going to flood the market. And um, so, so for, I, I want to ask two part questions. So first, do you think that that's a true statement? And are you with me that that's a good thing for U.S. shell producers? Oh, it's absolutely a true statement. And yeah, it's good. I mean, uh uh, uh, the International Energy Agency estimated global de- demand growth at 1.24 million barrels of oil per day during 2018. It's probably going to be 50% higher than that. The global economy is heating up very rapidly here in the United States and in China, Pacific Rim countries. Uh, and demand for oil is going to uh, pretty much skyrocket this year. We're talking about in the U.S. adding maybe 600,000 barrels of oil per day to, to U.S. production between now and the end of the year. Right. Uh, and frankly, I don't think it's going to be that much. The rig count today is just 10 rigs higher than it was a month ago or six weeks ago. Right. And um, look at the drilling info rig count. And 
And so we're not, the U.S. producers are not flooding the market with a bunch of new drilling rigs like we did at the first of the year last year. And, and so, yes, uh, production in the U.S. is going to continue to rise just because we're getting so much better at, at producing more out of every well. Um, but the U.S. is not going to flood the market, flood the world market with oil. And so if, if OPEC were to stick with it, you know, the current quotas in their agreement with Russia and, and Russia stayed with it, we could have a very significant shortfall of, of crude oil by the end of the year. So I do think they're probably going to adjust their quotas upwards when they meet in April just because of what else is going on in the U.S. and, and elsewhere in the world. And so um, so I just I, I'm really optimistic. I think that we're sitting here today. The price is sixty five dollars and change. Uh, I, I'm optimistic the price is going to be higher than that at the end of the year. Wow. Wow. You know, it's funny because. You know, I'm optimistic, but you know, on this show, I try to be cautiously optimistic, David, because I don't want, you know, there's so much. Yeah, hype. me too. There's so, well, there's just so much hype out there where people are going, "Hey, we don't see that this year." But um, there was an article you put out yesterday that's kind of, you know, I won't call the person out, but it's kind of that. Oh, good grief, here we go again. But you know, last year we just saw articles, 200 oil, you know, hold off on your job. So I try to be cautiously optimistic, just because I don't, I don't want people going, "Hey, man, I'm gonna hold out and wait for the oil to really get going before I do anything." But I do think it's gonna be a really good year. Um, the second thing is hedging. So we saw a very large increase of, of at least the times of the he- timing of hedging last year, the, the third quarter, fourth quarter. Um, a lot of companies hedged out between 50 and 55. Um, are you a little concerned that that might cause a little bit over drilling as we get through the first quarter this year? Uh, you know, I, I just don't think so because these these big independents, the, the management teams are under so much pressure. Uh, from their investors to to increase return on investment. And they're just, uh, what's happening with these capital budgets is, is so much of that capital expenditure that last year went to activating new rigs and drilling more wells is, is going to buying back stock and other kinds of measures to, to raise right. the stock price and increase returns uh, to their investors. And so I just don't think... Um, you know, the budgets for the first half of the year are set in place right now with those companies. They're not going to, you know, just because the price is $5 high, higher than they thought it was, they're not going to go back in and radically adjust those budgets. So drilling through the first pr- half of the year is pretty much set in stone. And, and and then they'll readjust for the second half of the year. But I just think last year really scared a lot of the these management teams. And they're going to be a lot more cautious about, you know, just committing hundreds of millions more dollars to, to drilling projects like they did last year. Well, David, it was good to catch up with you, and we can dispel any rumors that me and you had a <laughs> falling out. I don't know. I heard, I, no, I, not no, at no, all. No, not at all. No, 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 no. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah, it is when you're, when, you're, when you're doing stuff together and all of a sudden when you kind of split up, people are like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Well, it was nothing personal. Uh, I consider <laughs> David someone I, I rely on for – Always good advice, which is why you should follow him. And I'm going to list off several places. Um, DB Daily Update is where David posts out uh, with the chickens. He wakes up with the chickens. So when you wake up in the morning, you can read DB Daily Update. This kind of commentary on the day. <laughs> Shale Mac. And if you're in oil and gas and you don't have time to you know, do what David does for us, which is go through all this news, that to me, you know, I don't check it. I don't want to say I check it every day, but I check it a lot throughout the week. I go through there. I read the 12 headlines and I click on three to four, David, you know, three to four. Okay. These are for three or four that are pertinent to me and what I need to know about the day. So that's a very useful resource. You can find that at shell Mac. Also, David does a month. Is it a monthly piece there, David? Uh, it's a bi-monthly magazine and I, I, I write the cover stories and then a, an additional commentary for each issue. 
Okay. You also write for Forbes, and so David puts out um, stuff for Forbes from time to time. And we have a couple of speaking events that you're going to come up that's coming up in March. One is at the Louisiana Oil and Gas Association on March 8th through the 10th, and you'll be speaking at the Tipro event um, March 26th and 27th. And so the Louisiana events in Lake Charles, I believe you can find out more information at Louisiana Oil and Gas. Um, yeah, Loga.LA. Loga.LA. And then the Tipro, obviously, we will link to that in the show notes if you're not familiar with Tipro. And a great organization there. I like Tipro. Yeah. Yeah, they both are. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we'll get you back on hopefully here in the next month or so to talk about what's going on in Texas oil and gas. And, uh, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, and thanks again to David Blackman for coming on. Um, let's do our Drilling Info rig count real quick. The rig count as of today, according to Drilling Info, is 1,052. Um, a couple things we're going to do now while we're at the OHH Pistol Shoot is talk to some of the people that are here. We've said on our live show and on this podcast that this is a great event to come. It's a great organization, um, a lot of people to meet here, and there's about a 150 people, if I'm kind of guessing here, um, but we have one of them with Anadarko, which is a platinum sponsor of this event, and that is Reba Stevens. Reba, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Good morning. You know, we, we love Anadarko on the show. We have what we say a, there's a, it, for Texas at least, there's blue chip companies that work in Texas, you know, Anadarko, EOG, Pioneer, some of the leaders in our industry, so it's a pleasure to get to speak with someone from Anadarko. And um, why... Does Anadarko, which is, in my opinion, like I said, a blue chip type company, why do they find value in partnering with an event like OHH? Well, Anadarko is strong uh, in servant leadership. It's one of our main core values. And Oilfield Helping Hands uh, gives us an opportunity to help our own. And I know that we were talking offline about the saltwater event, which really interests me coming up. But let's talk about... Yeah, June the 22nd. second. But let's talk about this event. Um, as I'm sitting here in Conroe, Texas, I look around... And there's about a, uh, it's 150 people here today. Is that about a good representation? Yeah, it's, uh, last year there was, I think, only one flight, but we have probably 12 more teams this year than we did last year, and that was just the downturn of the industry. So we're really excited that the attendance is back up. Right, and one of the things that when you look at an event like this is um, it's fun to come out and shoot pistols, but it also needs to kind of be charitable. And so I know that OHH last year helped a lot of Hurricane Harvey victims. Yes, we did. I wasn't on that committee, and I can't uh, say any numbers or whatever. But, you know, whenever the event that you're working or volunteering for helps your own, it means so much more. And Oilfield Helping Hands does that. Right. Now, y'all have, as I understand, about four events like this a year. You've got the pistol shoot, the, the fishing trip, tournament, tournament, and then what else do y'all have? We have a clay shoot and a golf okay. tournament. Okay. And, and are y'all, are, is y'all's events, um, is it all around Houston area, or is it spread across the state, or how does that work? No, it's only the Houston area because there's different chapters of Oilfield Helping Hands. There's one in Lafayette, there's one in Houston, there's one in Oklahoma City. I'm not sure about Dallas, but there's, uh, they're trying to establish one in Midland. But we're, we're just the Houston area. Well, if there's not one in Dallas, that's where I'm at. and so we, we need to okay. get one up there. If there's not, it's a okay. great organization. And uh, I've loved dealing with the people here because, you know, it's very low-key. It's very laid back. It's, um, it's, it's kind of a fun environment here today. Well, you know, Oilfield Helping Hands, all they want, other than donations, of course, is volunteers. And how would you volu- how would you sign up to volunteer for OHH? You go onto their website, and you can sign up as a volunteer for any one of their, uh, as long as you're in the oil industry. Okay. 
Okay, so as we get ready to go, we got the the next event is the saltwater fishing trip, which I'm trying to. I, I need to get on my Hilton app right now. Port O'Connor. Port O'Connor. I need to get on my Hilton app right now and go ahead and book a room because. Yeah, you better book it now because it will fill up. Port O'Connor is not that large, and it will fill up. So how does that work for those who may not have participated in a, in a fishing tournament like this? Is it a you know you, you put together a team, or is it a race? Is it a time period? Is it a wait? How does the fishing aspect work of it? Well, for me, it was a, it's a lot easier than shooting. <laughs> um, you come out on Thursday, you sign up, you register, uh, you sign your waiver, and then we fish all day Friday. And, and you can sign up for offshore in, uh, bay fishing okay. or weight. Okay, so you've got a couple different fishing options. And is it, Absolutely. Is it, is it by poundage or largest fish, or is there like multiple categories, there's, or how does that work? There's multiple categories. Okay, great. And so when is the registration for that event start? I really, I don't know. Um, it has to be soon. Okay. And the best way, I would say, for people who aren't, who are in the Houston area, who want to be involved, is to go to the OHH website, which we'll link to in the show notes, and be a part of the chapter meetings that y'all have on a, a monthly basis. Yes. Anadarko hosts two meetings a year. Uh, it's going to be in May and November. At your office. And that's at our office in Anad- at Anadarko in the Woodlands. And that's another thing that we try to do for our servant leadership um, there's not too many oil companies up north, so it keeps the people that do work up north from having to go out to Katy or downtown or something. It just spreads the love around. Right. I've been to that office, and it's very nice. It, it is. is very nice. We're, we're very, we're very grateful. I, I, I'm jealous, to be honest <laughs> with you. I drive past there, and you got the golden, is it the bull or the deer or whatever it is out front, and it's by the water. And yeah, our statues are incredible. It's a beautiful place. A, we're blessed, for sure. I've been to a lot of oil and gas buildings, and it's <laughs> it's one of the nicest I've ever been to. It is. It, I may join just to come to that meeting in Antarctica. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> well, Reba, thank you so much. You're um, hopefully see you at the fishing tournament here in just a few months. I'm, I'm, I know you'll be there. I don't yeah. know if i I, I got to oh. get my schedule aligned to be there. That's what I'm working Priorities. on. Priorities. Yeah, i got to go buy me a deep sea rig. And <laughs> you can bait fish or wade. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'll I, I gotta find someone who's got, who's got a boat. That's what I need. I gotta get me a, a, a boat buddy, if you will, so I can come out there and fish. Well, they they are teams of four to up to six people. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much, and hopefully we'll see you here in just a few months and get the chat again. And we are excited about what we're hearing in the news about uh, Anadarko and what y'all guys have going on there. And we're also excited about this event. So we're just glad to be a part of it at the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. Well, thank you. Okay, well, thanks again to Reba for coming on from Anadarko, and a volunteer at the event. Anadarko, again, is a platinum sponsor of OHH, and we have now on Richard Saxon, who is the president of this organization, and I'm sure you are thankful for people like Anadarko who sponsor this event. Oh, we're extremely grateful, yeah. Thank you for having us here, Ryan, Uh, and thank you for helping us get the word out about Oldfield Helping Hands. Well, it's been very good, and, you know, I think when you look at events like these, you have to be practical. There's a lot of different levels that interest everyone. Some people are, are, are very concerned on the charity. You guys have that. Some people like to go and just do events like these. You guys got good events. And some people like the networking. And so this is a very well-rounded event. So we first were kind of talking to you guys. We wanted to see, okay, is this an event that kind of fits our demographics? Because we have people on the ground all the way up to the sea level. And so it's, it seems like this event kind of captures, you know, whatever your heart's desire is for some kind of event like this. You guys have a well-rounded event here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. One of the things that kind of caught my attention early on was is how much y'all have helped Hurricane Harvey um, I don't say survivors that's not the right term but Hurricane Harvey people that are impacted by Hurricane Harvey right and uh, y'all have really done some good work there can you talk about that for us sure sure so I, I think we've helped 212 families directly associated with Harvey um, most of them their houses flooded they lost home 
they lost their home, they lost their cars, and still a lot of them are living with relatives or living in apartments, unable to live in their homes. So um, when we saw everybody getting out, helping their you know people get out of their homes, we decided that the best thing that we do is provide financial assistance. So we put together the Harvey program, recovery program, and it's been very successful. Unfortunately, we're a little out of money. Right. Uh, we've given over $400,000 uh, to recipients, uh, and, and we're writing more grants daily, but we are still looking for more money. Well, and that's one of the things that we talked about on the show is that, you know, it's hard for, the, for people like me in the media, it's hard for us to remember that people are still impacted because the oh, headlines yeah. go away, you know. Right. And so you look at the headlines and you, you kind of you, you forget about Harvey. Then all of a sudden uh, a story will creep up about there's a, a facility we talked about a few weeks ago getting ready to open and talk about the delay of our Harvey. And you go, oh, yeah, Harvey. But on the ground where you guys are at, you're seeing the impact of Harvey probably on a daily basis. Oh, for sure. We, so we still have 30 applications waiting. And, and we receive an application now and then because they know that there's no money they're not submitting their applications but uh, if we have money we'll get a flood of applications right and so let's talk about events like these are obviously part of the way you raise money I would imagine and so let's kind of talk about this event um, I, I kind of said about 150 people were here today is that a pretty good turnout yeah so there are I think 120 some odd shooters plus volunteers and uh, committee members, yeah. And, and so when you look at a pistol shoot, um, I mean, for which I've done historically, it's just kind of, I guess I'm looking at it from the, the industry rebounding standpoint. I would imagine the numbers are up this year too. They are, over last year for sure. And so you, know, you guys do, I think it's four major events a year, right? You've got the pistol shoot, you got a clay shoot, a fishing tournament, and there's a golf, golf tournament. tournament. Golf and tournament. The, and so you actually have two uh, sporting clay events. Okay. So we have our fall and our spring, and then we have the golf tournament and the pistol shoot and the fishing tournament. Right. And your group is really here for the Houston events, right? Right. Okay. But there are, I think, uh, right. uh, we were just talking a minute ago, there are other chapters across the state. Is that true? And yes, sir. Yeah. Well, so yeah, not only the others, it, other chapters in the state, so we also have Acadiana in Louisiana. Uh, we have the Rocky Mountain chapter in Denver. Uh, we have a chapter in Tulsa. Uh, and then we have our South Texas chapter here in San Antonio, um, and then we have opening in Permian okay. Basin. Now, we talked on our Texas Oil & Gas Live broadcast we do every day about the fact that, you know, obviously this show covers mainly Texas news, but the, the tragedy in Oklahoma this week, you know, as oil and gas professionals, right. we're, you know, you got the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Well, oil and gas, it's like two or three degrees from just about everyone. I mean, the CEO of Kinder Morgan to the guy <laughs> on the rig out there. I mean, the separation is really, is, is, you know, we're, we're really close-knit group. And so it was, it was a very sad event. And I know that you guys might be working on something to help with that. We've tried to promote, I think there's a GoFundMe, but what, what are you guys looking at doing? Well, I haven't talked to the president of the Oklahoma chapter yet, but I did reach out to Boots and Coots this morning and talk to them. They're interested in participating in a, a sporting clay event that maybe we put together up in Oklahoma. Um, I, I would say it's probably going to be the, it would be a sporting clay or a golf tournament. Um, so we just need to get together a team and, and I've talked to a few of the committee members and board members and they're on, on board for it. So I think more than likely we'll get that kicked off real soon. Okay, great. Well, let us know. We would love to help promote that event as well. Obviously, this is Texas Oil and Gas, but that's our neighbors. You know, we want to take care right. of those people as well. And uh, I remember when I was in the field many years ago, um, someone got hurt and we were on a big, it was a 42 inch pipeline, long project, you know, and someone got hurt on a different spread and they passed around the, the, the hard hat, you know, and just the uh -huh. money that we, that the, you're just kind of the compassion in the industry for, for our own, you know, right. and, and it, we, we, in the industry, we forget that people do dangerous jobs. 
very, but there are very important dangerous jobs that have to be done for our country to thrive. And so it's important for us to take care of our own when they, you know, tragically you know, lose their life like they did. You know, talking about Oklahoma, we when Deepwater Horizon happened, uh, we helped the families there, and there was a tremendous response to that. And uh, so what a lot of people don't realize is that when, when the breadwinner of the family is gone, uh, it takes a while to get settlements and, and for the family to be taken care of. So they have no income or they, have, they lose the majority of their income. So it's really helpful that we can come in and provide financial assistance to them in the meantime. We, unfortunately, we can't do anything about their loss, loved right. ones. Right. Yeah, unless you have a, a, a life insurance policy that kicks in overnight, it is a long process. It's a long process. And you have to even... Even you have to deal with, you know, it's not just the financial, it's the emotional loss, right. the change of habit, all of this stuff that comes when you lose someone. And so it's uh, the money issue just compounds all those problems. Sure, sure. Okay, so let's talk about y'all's next event, which is coming up, which is, okay, apart from this Oklahoma event, which might change because of that, but y'all have a scheduled event, which is when, and what is it? So April 12th, we're going to have our spring sporting clay tournament at Westside on uh, Brookshire, Texas. And uh, it's always a great event. It's, weather's usually Right. Perfect for it, and uh, a lot of shooters. Great venue. How many teams do y'all have? Y'all, I'll mention this. Have you actually started the enrollment process, or y'all getting ready to release that? I think the website's going to go live probably next week. So we're close. Okay, we're and close. is that on your oldfieldhelpinghands.org? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, so it'll be on there. Yes, we'll link to that in the show notes for the listeners. How many teams are y'all looking for, and what kind of sponsors are y'all looking for? So we're looking for. We have a title sponsor, which is always Oasis Petroleum. Okay. Um, they're new to Oilfield Helping Hands. We're very happy to have them on board. Uh, so they are the title sponsor. We're looking for cook teams. We're looking for station sponsors. We're looking for uh, T-shirt sponsors. There, there are lots of different sponsorships available. Plus, we're looking for the shooters, too. Well, the shooters, too. I, I recused myself from this shoot because I didn't want to embarrass everyone. So I, I went ahead <laughs> stayed behind the counter today. <laughs> No, I didn't want to embarrass myself. Is the truth of the matter. Um, but you know, from I've talked to several people. Everyone said this has been a great event. They've had a good time, and so we're really excited to get to partner with you guys for this event. And we hope to hear more about this Oklahoma um, potential clay shoot that you guys do. And we'll be happy to spread the word there um, because you know it, it is important and something that we've talked about a lot. And um, anyway, we can get back to the, those who lost their lives. We, we want to help as oil field professionals. Well, anything else we want to hit on before we get you out of here today? I would say, you know, if you're thinking about coming out and volunteering or participating, when I first got involved, I, I, I didn't shoot sporting clays. That was the first event that I volunteered, and it was so much fun. And I see a lot of new volunteers here today, and I'm sure that a lot of them don't shoot pistols, and they're having fun. So just come on out, volunteer. Even if you're not an expert marksman or a sporting clay or a fisherman, come on out. Have fun. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for letting the Texas Long Gas Podcast be here today. We've enjoyed it, and uh, hope to see you again at an event later this year. All right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Appreciate it. Up next, we have on Mary Veers from STX Service Americas, and they are not from Canada, but some of them are. Some of us are. <laughs> some of us aren't. Some of you are, some of you aren't, and we've been having fun about that. We've been having fun at this event today. It's been a great turnout, I thought. It has been. We, we've been having a good time. We've met new people. Um, seen things we've probably never seen before and done things we're never going to do again, probably. Okay, so what got y'all interested in Oilfield Helping Hands and sponsoring this event? And um, just in general, what, what brought you here today? Well, you know, honestly, in our, in our community, we see a lot of need. We mm -hmm. see a lot of things changing and with, you know, depending on everything. 
needs of families can change. And so when one of our service coordinators found out about this event, he brought it to the attention of our president, and we had uh, employees who were affected by Harvey. We've had customers who have been affected by oil prices. And with all of that, this was just a great opportunity to get involved and do something a little bit bigger than what a small company can do. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about y'all's business. What do y'all do? Where are y'all located? And what is your um, part of the industry do you work in? So STX is an engine builder, and STX Service Americas is a supplier of uh, services, spare parts, aftermarket, um, and pretty much just global support for engines. Um, our team here in Houston, we have a team of engineers. We have uh, a large warehouse, and we're just at Beltway 8 and 290, and um, we've been here since 2012. Okay. And, you know, we talked on the show a lot about this year. We're really excited about the first half of this year. It looks like there's going to be a lot of work and a lot of excitement in the industry. What are you guys hearing? Uh, we're, you know, we're seeing the same. We actually noticed our engineers were being called out a lot more last year than over 2016. Or, right. yeah, 2016. Was there actually a well drilled in 2016? I'm sorry? Was there actually a well drilled in 2016? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have been involved if there was. <laughs> There, no, I'm just joking. 2016 was just like right. They were barren, filling them. It was a yeah. barren wasteland. It felt like yeah, yeah. It was rough. It, it was rough. But it's nice to see things starting to pick up again. We're seeing rig counts make some changes, and we watch that carefully. So it, it's good, and we're seeing more and more people coming to work. Yeah, on the show, you know, we use the uh, drilling info rig count. We switched to a few weeks ago, or I say it's been a few months ago now. Are you guys following Baker Hughes or drilling info or both? Or I think we follow both. It, it depends on, I think, who's pulling what reports and looking at what. Right, right. So as we look forward, one of the things I'm curious about is um, natural gas prices right now are like 355. Uh, oil's at 67, 68, something like that, WTI, yeah. uh, 65 WTI. Um, as natural gas goes up and if oil stays high, it makes these Eagle for wells especially more profitable because the natural gas is more profitable. Um, and so we, we, you know, we, we do see that this is going to be a really good year. Um, and... We're excited to be able to come to events like this because you, you can also tell it here. There's a lot of people here. Um, there's there's people from the corporate side, people like me and you who are just out there working. And so it, there's a lot of ways to measure the industry. You talk about rig counts, but events like these where the people that you know do the work on a daily basis, um, they uh, you know they show out. Yeah, yeah, and we're we're noticing even the trade shows. There's more and more participants. There's more and more activity, um, and and there are more more customers coming out and more interest is being shown now. So do y'all sponsor a lot of OHH events, or is this y'all's first one, or what's y'all's history with this organization? This is our first uh, event that we've sponsored. Um, we're excited to have been a part. We didn't even, uh, hadn't been involved in any of these types of events prior to today. So this and is what, exciting. What, so we've kind of talked to several people on the show about the turnout. We said about 150 people here. I think they said there's 120, 130 shooters. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a great turnout, and it feels, you know, um, a, a very low-key kind of relaxed environment. It does. It's nice. It's an opportunity. People are chit-chatting, and people who didn't know one another before now know each other and right. are making new friends and new connections. It's good. 
Well, one of the things we say about events on the show is, you know, there's kind of a couple levels, right? You have folks who are really interested in charity, which they do well. You have folks who are interested in networking, which this event does well. And you have folks who just like to go out and shoot or fish or golf, and this one seems to go well. Now, I know that I recuse myself because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, you know, kind of dominate the show, you obviously. Know, I didn't want to show out. I'm, I'm a very humble man. Yeah, yeah. very humble right, man. Me too. But, but how did y'all do? Woman. So how did y'all do? <laughs> we haven't gone yet. You haven't I think gone we're yet. About okay. To go now. Yeah. They're, ca- they're, they're calling. You, they're, they're calling you now. Yeah. Well, Mary, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you guys for sponsoring this event. Where can people find out more about your company? Uh, our website is www.stxserviceamericas.com. Okay. And we will try to link to that in the show notes. And um, thank you so much for coming on. And we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, Ryan, very much. Well. Obviously, as you can tell by now, we're at the end of the show. We didn't get on Sergio Chop. Unfortunately, just things kind of got busy on my end, and we weren't able to bring Sergio on. So apologies to Sergio. As he would like to say, if we're talking about Cabot, I guess we'll get to him next time. <laughs> next time. And, uh, hey, I will say this. Josh Shelton, ladies and gentlemen, has said he might return for the week of the second. So that is first Friday Q&A. If you don't have your questions in, Ryan at GoldbringerGB.com. Um, and obviously I'm recording this not at the shooting range. So um, sorry for all the noise and background there. Uh, we tried our best to cut it out, but it was a very happening event. And so a couple of people we want to thank. First off, Shooter Station and Conroe. Terry and his team there were, I mean, over the top. Went really over the top for us. They made sure that we had everything that we needed. They even set up a private Wi-Fi um, I don't know the word channel or whatever. So Terry's IT guy, his whole team, super big thanks to those people. Also, I think Gary Brooks, who I don't, I'm not sure his exact title with OHH, but he's the first person I met with him a few weeks ago at lunch with the World Country Media, and um, was very instrumental in getting us there and getting us set up. And he has a team of volunteers and folks. I'm sure there's a list somewhere of people I'm supposed to. Um, name off but i did not get it so uh, apologies to those people i will say this it was a great event it looked like it went off without a hitch for the most part i mean you know there's always something going on at some event but it looked like it was going really smoothly and so um that's just a testament to the hard work that went into this event so gary and his team um there was a lady there and i don't i didn't i don't have her name on my paper here so apologies to her she was very helpful she was working hand in hand with gary so um Maybe 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 someone can email in and we can give her a proper shout out on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.